0: just south of Los Angeles, California. This is the Veggie Power Podcast, exploring topics relating to working out, powerlifting, and everyday advice for lifting and living well. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Contorno. All right, let's veg out. Well, hello, hello, everybody. It is me. It's only been like a week since my last podcast, but... Uh, While I was in Dallas with my hubby Steven, I got the idea that I wanted to do a different kind of podcast, and here I am doing it. I kind of can't stop thinking about it since I came up with the idea. So I've been writing a book. Uh, It's kind of a memoir of my past history up to recent life with me living with an eating disorder. Um, It is called Confessions of an Aquaholic. And what I decided I want to do is to read the first chapter. I've currently written seven and a half chapters, almost eight. I'm not sure how long it's going to be. It's about like 50 pages or so long, regular pages, not short book pages. But I'm sitting in my room with the lights dim. I'm trying to do this on my headphones instead of the microphone so I can feel very real and raw as I read this. I want to see how it reads to listen myself. And if any of you that are listening could give me feedback on what you're listening to, uh, maybe I'll do other chapters, but really the goal is to put out the book. I was super into writing um, around April is when I decided I wanted to start doing this. And then I was rolling and rolling with it. And I was like, you know what? My goal is to finish this by the end of the year. Well, it's 2021. Your girl ain't done. I got really unmotivated to write it. I don't really know what happened. I think it was stress surrounding COVID and our business. And then I was dealing a lot with, you know, the interworkings of opening our new gym on a nightly basis. And I kind of, you know, any kind of side project that I do, I like it to be where I'm, you know, not forced to do it where I want to do it. I don't have a deadline. I'm not getting paid to do it. So I don't want to have to force myself to do it. I've sent the book to a few people for some readings. And also, um, my friend Kim is doing a rough edit of it and I've reread it several times myself. And I was like thinking it sounds a little cynical, like this girl just fucking hates the world. But at that point in time in my life, some of the points that I'm writing about that was pretty much where I was. So, Please, if you're listening to this, if you have any feedback, you know, rate this or just give me a DM and let me know your thoughts. Text me if you're my friend and I'm excited to read this for you. I'm not really going to do a life update right now. I'll do that next time. I just want to get into this book. I am going to read the dedications and a trigger warning and possibly my foreword for this. This book is dedicated to 13 year old Ashley. If only I had the courage and the knowledge that I do now to be who I wanted to be back then without fear of judgment. This book is also dedicated to anyone who have ever experienced discomfort in their own body, anyone who has felt singled out, anyone who's felt insecure, anyone who has tried to be different to fit in, anyone who has also felt pressure to do something that they weren't ready for, anyone who has felt uncomfortable in their own skin, anyone who has yearned for change. Anyone who wants to be better for themselves. This book is dedicated to everyone. Lastly, this book is dedicated to Miss Michelle Obama. After reading your book, Becoming, I finally had the courage to find my voice to share my story with the world. Your story has given me the strength to tell mine. Trigger warning. This book contains graphic language, graphic descriptions of eating disorders, and graphic depictions of sexual content that may be offensive or emotionally disturbing to some readers. The contents of this book may not be appropriate for some individuals. Tread lightly. You have been warned. Forward. My ultimate goal in this book is to show the duality that living life with an eating disorder can pose. I'm going to take you to places both emotionally and physically that may make you feel uncomfortable, I want to share the discomfort of the lowest points that are paralleled only by the highest points. With this vulnerability, I hope to share something relatable that resonates with any reader. Whether or not you suffer from an eating disorder, this book goes through struggles that a lot of 20 to 30-somethings go through and how one handles or mishandles those situations. I will detail how I handled and mishandled my struggles with rather poor coping mechanisms. I am not trying to glorify eating disorders. I'm not saying they are okay, because they are not. I'm not trying to educate someone on how to live with an eating disorder. I am not trying to teach someone how to have an eating disorder. I am simply telling my story on my life with ED. I ask for you to have an open mind while I become an open book. Chapter one, Aquaholism. I was 13 years old when I was introduced to bulimia, It was the summer of sixth grade before going into seventh grade at one of my best friend's house. My friend Tara said something along the lines of, I found a way that we can eat whatever we want and not have the calories. I was instantly in. As an insecure girl trying to always fit in and be skinny, her statement was of the utmost appeal. My life henceforth has changed forever. The memory is vague and relatively unclear so much so that I reached out to Tara 18 years later while writing this book to ask if this really happened or if it was just a figment of my imagination turns out it did happen and my fuzzy recollection was a reality that night when we were kids we proceeded to binge eat and eat and eat until my eyeballs were floating and my skin wanted to burst after her family went to sleep Between the two of us, we sneakily ate the equivalent of a Thanksgiving feast meant for a family of eight. Tara showed me how simply sticking your fingers down your throat could cure the discomfort happening in my stomach and put all that deliciousness elsewhere as opposed to being digested and turned into fat. We could enjoy all of the calories without any of the guilt. We binged and purged together several times thereafter. It was an immediate release. A euphoric experience of eating all of the food one could possibly want to eat and then it all going away was just too tempting. From then on, into adulthood, and unfortunately to the present day, it became my comforting relief. You know, that feeling after you get after a good workout, after sex, after you finish cleaning, after a long day, sinking into a hot tub. It's a big exhale. It's a release. A therapeutic whole body release. Watching the show Intervention as an adult, the addict is always chasing the initial high, that extreme uh, feeling that they get from first experiencing drugs. In my experience, I got that uh, almost every time. I say almost because there was definitely a time where I didn't feel the physical relief from purging Bulimia was a friend when I needed it. A boyfriend, a lover, a confidant, a safe place, a warm hug, an intimate relationship that was unparalleled by anything else I've ever experienced. Bulimia was my lover, and I was there for it as it was there for me, up until it wasn't. At that time, in 2002, I was 13 years old, right in the midst of my awkward teenage middle school phase. I was on the fringe of being one of the popular cool kids and simultaneously being a burnout. I was a straight A student. I was a cheerleader for the basketball team. I was a track sprinter. I was in honors classes. I was an office page, which is an esteemed position where you would deliver messages to a teacher's classroom during an assigned period from the principal's office. I was even voted best dressed, which I found completely ironic as my clothes were nothing like the popular kids wore. They were Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch. I wore clothes from Kohl's, Walmart, and JCPenney. I gawked at those expensive labels and dreamt, if only I had more money, my mom would be able to buy me those $90 pair of jeans. The funny thing was, I didn't even fit into Hollister's largest size 13. By no means was I large in my teenage years. Looking back at photos now, I actually feel like I was very thin, a whopping 115 pounds at 5'3", but at that impressionable age, I thought I could never be thin enough. I was in a bipolar relationship with life. On one hand, I had everything going with me. I had my accolades and sports. My future was looking bright. And on the other hand, I had bad influences, temptation, and the desire to outgrow my age as fast as possible. I somehow found a group of four best friends that ended up being my moral compass, which was pointing in the wrong direction. J-J-A-A-T was our acronym. Jennifer Jennifer, Amanda, Ashley, Tara. Could these names be any more 80s and lame? We had unsupervised after-school hangouts. We lied about our whereabouts. We smoked pot. We did drugs. Well, they did. I was a pussy. Our main bane was we had access. One of Jennifer's moms, who we lovingly called Mom, was an addict. Mom let us live the lifestyle that she did. Mom said she would rather be under her roof than somewhere else. Jennifer's house was our safe haven. She lived five blocks away from me, and even though it was a 15-minute walk, I felt like it could have been a different world. I will elaborate on some of the ongoings from that time in my life, but for now, more backstory. If you are hoping to read a romanticized story about my struggle and vigilant triumph over the battle that is bulimia, go ahead and close this book. This book will serve as an ongoing story of sorts about how I have been living with bulimia since I was 13 years old. I'm here to confess, to confess my addictions, vices, and share the stories that I've been ashamed to tell until now. I have experienced many addictions in my life. I've worn many hats of holics, a workaholic, a chocoholic, an infoholic, a sugarholic, an alcoholic, a rageaholic, a pizzaholic, a travelholic, a moneyholic, but notably, I have always been an aquaholic. Water is my mainstay. As we humans are made up of more than 60% water, ever since I can remember, I've carried around a water jug, most often a gallon. It sleeps by me every night. I don't leave the house without it. I wake up wanting it. I can't live without it. I depend on water. Of all the holics in my life, being an alcoholic is not one that I'm ashamed of, and it is one I will always identify as. Can I say that there was a moment that led me down the rabbit hole? No. There was a series of decisions that changed my life for the immediate and distant future of what that is I call my life. Bulimia became my comfort. It transformed. It became more than a physical relationship. It coddled me emotionally. It became my emotional... It was the listening ear I needed and the shoulder I cried on mm. into the toilet. Nonetheless, it served the purpose and that purpose for the majority of my life. I have never worked the steps to confront my addiction. I have never gone to an OA meeting over Eaters Anonymous. The same availability doesn't exist for people with eating disorders as there are for other mainstream addictions. Mm. Eating disorders are taboo because people need food to survive. You can't have and live in the absence of food, you will die. You can't avoid trigger as life is a trigger. Every minute of every day, your body is consuming and requiring some type of nutrition to sustain itself. Whether it's in the form of cheesecake or a balanced meal, it needs calories. Chapter 2, 18, going on 45. I'll be honest, I hate reading. I am an indefinitely slow reader, and despite graduating college with a doctorate, which required a lot of reading, I still loathe the idea of reading a book. My audiobook collection is vast. You're probably asking, then why would you want to write one? What qualifies me as a 31-year-old woman from the Midwest who moved across the country to have a memoir? Well, I have lived a lot of life in these 31 years. I have always said when I turned 18, I also turned 45. Okay, I hope I got your uh, your dick hard and your pussy wet and you're waiting to come to read more and all of that. I decided to read the first paragraph of chapter two because I felt like it was a better place to end than the um, end of chapter one for this podcast reason. Uh, this is going to be a super short episode. I just really wanted to get that out there. Usually my podcasts, besides the one I did with Steven when I record a podcast by myself, I might stop twice and like have to um, cut out something I said or backtrack or whatever. I'm just, I have the gift of gab, y'all. And reading this book, I don't know if you can hear it when you listen, but I had to stop several times. Uh, It's pretty hard. It's not hard, like, emotionally to read these words, but just to read, you know, and dictate this in a style and manner that I like was a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, because ultimately I would like to release this book in paper, uh, digital and audio form all at the same time. So that was about four-ish pages, and like I said, there's about 50 and a lot more bullet points of more ideas that I'm going to write I started writing this when I was 31. I'm now 32, but I'm going to keep 31 in there because that's the age I was. But like I said, I just wanted to get this out there. This is kind of more of a for me thing. I really hope that some of you will listen to this and give me some feedback on what you think of chapter one and a paragraph of chapter two. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.